Well, good morning and welcome to the third Sunday in Advent. The day which is called in the liturgical calendar, Gaudete Sunday. Joyful Sunday, rejoiced Sunday. So we kind of have to lift our spirits a little bit today, or try so to do anyway. Our call to worship again for this week comes from David Adams' book, Candles in the Dark. The Lord is here. God's Spirit is with us. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. To you be praise and glory forever. In the darkness of this parting age, your light has shone out. You have not forced yourself upon us, but you will only come if we so will it. As we recall your willing messenger, John, and as we rejoice in the obedience of your servant, Mary, May we accept you into our lives and homes, knowing that you have come to dwell among us. Blessed be God forever. Amen. It's great to have a church full to overflowing, isn't it? And there's always room for one more. The doors are open on our stable. Let's come to God in prayer. Let's pray together. O God, we live in a world that is mysterious and beautiful. Snow-capped mountains and sultry forests, deep oceans and vast golden deserts. O God, we thank you for our world. O God, we share in a world that is diverse and exciting. Elephants, giraffes, pandas and rhinos, garden snails, spiders and earthworms. Oh God, we thank you for our world. Oh God, we work in a world that is busy and creative. Music and drama, science and literature, commerce and industry, education and healthcare. Oh God, we thank you for our world. But, oh God, we live in a world that needs to change. We are part of that world, and we do things, or we let things happen that hurt others. Oh God, help us to change our ways. Oh God, We live in a world which pretends that nothing can really change, that nothing can ever be fair. Oh God, help us to change our ways. Oh God, we listen for your voice saying to us, your sins are forgiven. Come with me. Don't be afraid. Oh God, help us to believe your promise. And on this third Sunday of Advent, as we think about those whose lives have changed the world and prepare our hearts afresh to receive the one who came not just to change, but to save all creation, even Christ our Lord, receive our prayers offered in his name. Amen.
God is not hidden away in the holy places. In our everyday surroundings, God is as present as in any church. The angel Gabriel came to an ordinary woman in her ordinary home and told her that God was with her and would always be with her. told Mary that she would have a child, and that child would be holy, the Son of God. Mary replied, I am God's servant. Let it be so. God, become human, living among us. God who knew laughter and hurt, anger and joy. God with us. is with you. Do not be afraid. He comes to you today, as he did yesterday, and will tomorrow. Go with God, bringing peace to the war-torn, hope to the broken, and calm to the storm. reading is taken from Luke chapter 1 verses 26 to 56. The birth of Jesus is announced. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to a town in Galilee named Nazareth. He had a message for a girl promised in marriage to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of King David. The girl's name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, Peace be with you. The Lord is with you and has greatly blessed you. Mary was deeply troubled by the angel's message, and she wondered what his words meant. The angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. God has been gracious to you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. 
He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will make him a king, as his ancestor David was, and he will be the king of the descendants of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary said to the angel, I am a virgin. How then can this be? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and God's power will rest upon you. For this reason, the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. Remember your relative Elizabeth. It is said that she cannot have children, but she herself is now six months pregnant, even though she is very old. For there is nothing that God cannot do. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. And the angel left her. Mary visits Elizabeth. Soon afterwards, Mary got ready and hurried off to a town in the country of Judea. She went into Zachariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby moved within her. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and said in a loud voice, You are the most blessed of all women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Why should this great thing happen to me, that my Lord's mother comes to visit me? For as soon as I heard your greeting, the baby within me jumped with gladness. How happy you are to believe that the Lord's message to you will come true. Mary's Song of Praise Mary said, My heart praises the Lord. My soul is glad because of God my Saviour. For he has remembered me, his lowly servant. From now on, all people will call me happy because of the great things the mighty God has done for me. His name is holy. From one generation to another, he shows mercy to those who honour him. He has stretched out his mighty arm and scattered the proud with all their plans. He has brought down mighty kings from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has kept the promise he made to our ancestors and has come to the help of his servant Israel. He has remembered to show mercy to Abraham and to all his descendants forever. Mary stayed about three months with Elizabeth and then went back home. Our second reading is taken from Matthew 3, verse 1 to 12. The preaching of John the Baptist. At that time, John the Baptist came to the desert of Judea and started preaching. Turn away from your sins, he said, because the kingdom of heaven is near. John was the man the prophet Isaiah was talking about when he said, Someone is shouting in the desert. Prepare a road for the Lord. Make a straight path for him to travel. John's clothes were made of camel's hair. He wore a leather belt round his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. People came to him from Jerusalem, from the whole province of Judea, and from all the country near the River Jordan. They confessed their sins, and he baptised them in the Jordan. 
When John saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to him to be baptized, he said to them, You snakes, who told you that you could escape from the punishment God is about to send? Do those things that will show that you have turned from your sins. And don't think you can escape punishment by saying that Abraham is your ancestor. I tell you that God can take these stones and make descendants from Abraham. The axe is ready to cut down the trees at the roots. Every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown in the fire. I baptize you with water and show that you have repented. But the one who will come after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He is much greater than I am. And I am not good enough even to carry his sandals. He has his winning shovel with him to thresh out all the grain. He will gather his wheat into his barn, but he will burn the chaff in a fire that never goes out. Amen. This is the third and the last of our slightly different services for Advent this year. And the theme for today is world changes, which is why we have a globe on the table to remind us that these are people who changed the world. But who are the people who have changed the world? If you were going to compile a top ten list, who would you put on your list and why? Hopefully, when you came in, most, if not all of you, found a little green sheet or a large green sheet on your chairs. Um, You don't necessarily need to read it just now. But I did a bit of research this week on who are the people who have changed the world. And I quite liked the picture that I've put on the front, which I got from an American website, an educational website, of faces of people that they think have changed the world. But who would you include and why? What is changing the world? Is it something about the impact that that person or their idea or their invention has? Is it something about fame or publicity? Is it something about the size of what they do or say or are? I find myself wondering, as I looked at the lists of people I could find on the internet, what difference it makes that we now live in an age of instant communication. How many of these people do we recognise as important because of the ease of disseminating ideas through the broadcast media, the print media, or the internet? I actually wondered if a list of world changers ought to include, and none of the ones I found did as far as I spotted, Caxton for printing or Logie Baird for television, without whom many of the other ideas would have been much more difficult to spread around the world. Well, this morning I've tried to draw together the Bible focus for Advent 3, which is John the Baptist, and Advent 4, which is Mary, along with this idea of joy and people who change the world. Now, if you can work out a sermon that does all those brilliantly, you can tell me how to do it, because I don't know. 
But we heard to get today together parts of the stories of John the Baptist and the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And when we hear those stories, we do so with 2,000 years of hindsight. We already know that what these people did changed the world, changed the course of history. But the risk is, because we read it through 2,000 years of hindsight, we lose the fact that they were actually very ordinary people, as we heard on the radio short, an ordinary woman in an ordinary life. And John, the ordinary son of some fairly ordinary, very elderly, priestly people. Zachariah was a priest and his wife, Elizabeth. What made them world changers had nothing to do with fame or fortune, nothing to do with amazing creativity or incredible intellect. What made them world changers was the decisions they made in how to respond to the events and insights that took place within their very ordinary lives. Chronologically, we meet Mary first a young woman betrothed to a man named Joseph. That she is not yet married suggests she is perhaps only on the brink of womanhood, around about the age of puberty, and that this will be a long-standing arrangement in which she has had little or no say. Up until now, she's led a quiet life in a little northern town far away from the centre of religious activity. It would be a bit like had she lived in Britain, living at the best in Manchester and probably in somewhere in the north of Scotland, far away from Westminster Abbey and places like that. She's grown up in a family about which we know nothing whatsoever. She is pretty much the girl next door. Nothing, it seems, to mark her out among her peers. No sense that she was especially devout in her faith or exceptionally beautiful, no sense that there was something about her wisdom or insight that amazed other people. She was just Mary. And she was the one whom God chose to bear Christ. Do you ever wonder what might have happened if Mary had said, no, thank you, I don't think so, to the angel? Have you ever entertained the possibility that the angel had actually been to a few other women. And they said, no, no, I don't think so. I know it sounds heretical to say that. But are there times, I wonder, when we have a sense that God is saying something to us and we just say, um, no, thank you, God. Go and ask them over there or them over there. That person will be much better than me. Are there times, if not explicitly, a sense of God calling us to something? But times when we have a real deep feeling that I should say something in this context. I should do something about that and we just carry on with our ordinary lives. You see, the reason that Mary is a world changer (coughs) is that she said yes to this utterly ridiculous call from God. Mary's song of praise 
the Magnificat, with its echoes of ancient prophecies, is absolutely incredible. It's worth spending time reading and pondering. It's amazing stuff. In what she says, she grasps just a little of what God is going to do in her and through her. How her tentative, so be it, will make a difference not just to her life, not just to her time, but for all time and all places. It seems to me that the story of Mary is in a very stark contrast to the celebrity culture of our time. We have programmes like The X Factor. I'm not sure if we've got to the end of that one yet because I don't watch it. Um, and Britain's Got Talent. That are all based on people's desire for fame and glory. And in some kind of 21st century gladiatorial arena, people who may or may not have the right kind of abilities parade themselves for the world to see and say, here I am, choose me. And if we're honest, we quite like laughing at the people who aren't so good. And we kind of get cross about the things that happened with Susan Boyle where the people laughed at her and she turned out to have a wonderful voice. But actually, are we so different, really? And even for those who win, that fame is incredibly short-lived. The dream is an illusion. Another year, another idol, another series, another set of disillusioned wannabes. How different from Mary. Mary was an ordinary woman who got on with her life. A life that must have been far from easy, given her prenuptial pregnancy, given her son who stayed at the temple when he was 12 and left her and Joseph to go home on their own, given the fact that she would one day witness her son executed as a criminal. Far from an easy life. But Mary got on with it quietly and largely unnoticed. And that is what makes her extraordinary. And then John, born to elderly parents and destined to be a Nazarite before he was born, not allowed to cut his hair, not allowed to drink, certain very religious life. He lived on locusts and wild honey. He wore goat skin, very strange man, a bit of a wild man. He grew up in a very religious family. And everybody around would have assumed that he probably would follow his father's footsteps and become a priest. That's what he did. He was just another priest's son. Okay, he didn't drink and he didn't cut his hair and perhaps he was a bit of a, a hippie or a bit of a geek. But, you know, there was nothing that odd about John. In fact, until he was about 30 years of age, we don't know anything about him. My guess, by the time he was 30, is that his parents had died, probably quite a long time ago. And I find myself wondering how people felt when, rather than going into the temple service, he headed off to the wilderness and started to preach his message about repentance and preparation. Did they wonder if it was just a phase that he was going through? 
it's okay. You know, when he gets to 40, perhaps he'll settle down and do the right thing, or 50, or whatever. And how did John feel? What was it that motivated John to keep going out day by day, making these proclamations? What attracted people to go and listen to him rather than going to the synagogue where there was a nice, safe rabbi who would say nice, safe things or going to the temple and just making another sacrifice because that was easy? Something about John's wild and woolly nature persuaded people to go out into that very ordinary place and discover something of God speaking to them. Again, John stands counter to the celebrity culture of our time. His whole approach challenges the ambition-driven consumerist world in which, like it or not, we are all embroiled. This was no master chef or apprentice-style competition to find out who was the best prophet, the one to get the prized position of wealth and celebrity. Anything but. John's task was to prepare the way for Jesus. And ironically, it's John's secondary role, his acceptance that he is sort of the also-ran in the bigger story, that impacts the whole of human history. Yes, he is unusual in his wilderness ministry, but he is an ordinary man playing his part in preparing the way for Jesus, who will come after him. So what if we go back to where we started and wonder about the people who changed the world and who change the world in our time? Is it the people who are famous... Or is it the ordinary people who quietly get on with their lives, making a difference where they are? Is celebrity a sign of significance, or is it just a passing phase? Who are the people that we know whose lives, whose faith, whose witness transform our part of the world for the better? Who are the people whose response to God's call make a difference for us? And how can we, ordinary people with ordinary lives, play our part in changing the world? Today, our act of response is an opportunity to give thanks to God for those that we individually recognise as world changers. They might be publicly recognised, they might not. They might make a very big difference, they might make a very small difference. It doesn't matter whether it's someone like Copernicus who transformed our understanding of the solar system, or somebody you know who's made a difference to your life. We have an opportunity to thank God for them. And you are allowed to have one of my world-changing fair trade chocolate coins in exchange. The invitation is as it has been over the last two weeks. You have, hopefully, a paper Christmas tree decoration and a pen. And, hopefully, a copy of the litany, which we will follow with. We're using some recorded music that you will either love or hate. It's that kind of music. kind of fits, I think, a little bit where we're going. 
Time to symbolise those you wish to give thanks to God for. It's over in that corner this week to give you a bit more exercise to you. If you would like to do it but can't walk, please get somebody else to take things up for you and bring you back chocolate in exchange. And when we have had that time of about four to five minutes of quiet reflection, we will join in the litany for Advent 3. of Advent, dispel the darkness of night, awaken us to your glory, destroy our heaviness of heart, awaken us to your glory, cure the blindness of our sight, awaken us to your glory, heal the deafness of our ears, awaken us to your glory, open the mouth that is dumb, awaken us to your glory. Restore a gentleness of touch. Awaken us to your glory. Encourage in us a sense of adventure. Awaken us to your glory. Bring us an awareness of you. Awaken us to your glory. Look at the candle and know that Christ gives you joy. He comes to all who feel they are stuck in the wilderness. He comes to the fearful to whom the future is threatening. He comes to those who are being overwhelmed and to encourage wavering hearts. He comes to give us courage, to fill us with confidence. Our God is with us. Emmanuel. Joy comes to change the world. Lord, bring us joy. To the people working in call centres and offices. Lord, give them joy. To the people in fast food joints and restaurants. Lord, bring them joy. To the postal workers and street sweepers. Lord, bring them joy. To the children trying to stay focused in school. Lord, bring them joy. To students writing assignments and swatting for exams. Lord, bring them joy. To those who will spend Christmas in the kitchen. Lord, bring them joy. To those who spend Christmas in hospital. Lord, bring them joy. To those who will spend Christmas alone. Lord, bring them joy. To us in our ordinary lives. Lord, bring us joy. Our prayers today centre on those whose lives are in the public eye whether that's directly, whether that's through, like through celebrity, or if that is indirectly through their profession or position. So let us pray together. World-making God, we pause for a moment to ponder the wonderful diversity of human endeavour, intellect and creativity. We thank you that each and every person is created in your image, that each and every person is uniquely gifted and equipped by you to play their part within your world. 
We pray for those whose lives are part of the celebrity culture that pervades every aspect of our experience. For those whose songs and lifestyles influence the thoughts of children and young people. For those whose behaviour on or off the sporting arena provides an example for good or for ill. Help us to recognise the pressures they face. To remember that behind the facade are frail and vulnerable people, each needing to be loved and accepted. Help them to find lasting joy beyond the glitz and glamour. We pray for those who work in various communications media, press, film, television, radio and internet. For those who make decisions on what will be published or broadcast to a demanding and diverse audience. For those who develop new concepts and formats to educate, inform or entertain. Help us to be discerning in our reading and viewing and gracious in our responses to what we read, view or hear. Recognising that behind each programme, each article, are ordinary human beings doing their best, each needing to be valued and appreciated. Help them to find lasting joy beyond the latest buzz. We pray for those who work in design and innovation, research and development. For those we perceive as hippie designers and those we deride as geeky nerds. Help us to appreciate the energy and effort that is expended in their work. To value the quirky as well as the practical and to recognise that behind each pair of boots, each item of jewellery, each kitchen appliance, each car, are real people seeking to be approved and embraced. Help them to find lasting joy beyond the newest trend or the last product. We pray for the countless ordinary people who quietly make a difference where they are. For those who are homemakers, factory workers, shop assistants, cleaners and janitors. For those who empty bins and clean toilets. For those who stack shelves and work at tills. Help us to recognise the taken for granted. Help us to recognise that behind these ordinary, sometimes dirty jobs are real people doing their best in need of encouragement and praise. Help them to find lasting joy beyond the fleeting moments of celebration or rest. We pray for ourselves, each of us unique, and each of us with opportunities to change the world where we are, by what we say, 
or don't say, by what we do or don't do. Help us to recognize your call on our lives and to say yes. Help us to find lasting joy that will sustain us beyond the Christmas season and on into the future. For we make our prayers in the name of Jesus Christ, who not only turns the world upside down, but makes all things new. Amen.